You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. Whose world is this? It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f with future. That's classic. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. I hope you guys are all staying safe and sound during this time of Corona apocalypse. And I really hope that you guys are working on staying sane. Sanity is the most important thing, I think, for a lot of us right now who are stuck in the house, um, you know, being teacher, working from home, or for those of us who are not working right now, just trying to figure out purpose and meaning um, during these hard times. I just want to encourage you guys to still stay the course. It is not easy. I mean, I can tell you right now, in all honesty, every single day, I'm struggling to figure out what my purpose is trying to figure out how I am going to move forward. How am I going to emerge from this, you know, crisis? So I know that if I'm thinking that a lot of you guys are also thinking that. And I mean, it's just difficult times right now. But I guess the silver lining in a sense is that we are all kind of going through this together. Even those who are employed, but working from home, like this crisis is affecting you know, everything and everyone. And so at this point, I think, although we're social distancing, that we still make it a point to keep connected, to stay connected with one another um, and really be support systems for each other as we, you know, navigate these murky roads. On today's episode, I have a very special guest by the name of Nurse T, who is going to talk about her experience being a frontline nurse during this corona apocalypse, during COVID-19. I know a lot of us um, are getting our information from social media, from the internet. Some of us do have relatives and friends that are working on the front lines, but I think that um, it was important to have a real conversation with a nurse in New York City who is reporting to work every day and fighting this crazy fight and taking care of our family members, taking care of us um, and really putting themselves out there to save lives. They are on the front lines and they are being exposed each and every day. And we are seeing a lot of love and compassion to our healthcare workers. But I think actually having one, um, you know, speak their truth and really give us a glimpse of what's going on in their mind when they are getting ready for work and showing up to work, um, I think is really, really important. So Nurse T is going to um, come on in a little while just to talk about her experience as a frontline nurse and the fear and anxiety that goes through her mind and body each and every day um, when having to report to work. And to really touch on some of the real realities that we've been hearing, you know, some of these reports that we're hearing from the healthcare facilities, a lot of us don't know if they're true, if they're false, but Nurse T is definitely going to shine some light on some of these, these topics and some of these things that have been highlighted in the news with respect to the healthcare system and healthcare workers. So I definitely hope that you guys keep it locked for her segment. 
But before we get into the meat of the show, I always share my highlight of the week. And even though we are living in dark times right now, we are living in scary times, there is still a highlight to be found, right? And the highlight of the week, although I am, you know, my highlight should be that I'm alive, (laughs) um, that I'm, you know, even able to record this episode, that I have the ability to do so. My highlight of the week is just being in the presence of great people, amazing people who are out here making sure that their community is good. I have several friends who have partnered up with community organizations to, you know, look after the elderly, to provide food for individuals who cannot feed themselves and their kids. And they are raising money. They are, you know, getting resources donated and they are really putting themselves out there to help those who are less fortunate than them. This is a time for communities to come together. This is a time for all of us to really practice that saying of being our sister's keeper and being our brother's keeper. So I I feel truly blessed to be in the midst of such amazing people and really seeing humanity at its finest. I mean, we can talk about humanity at its worst. We have seen a lot of bad things, uh, you know, on social media and in, in the internet, people taking advantage of the crisis. We can, you know, talk about the negative stuff, you know, so we're blue in the face. But I think it's really important that we appreciate those who are really trying to make a difference in our community. So for me, that's my highlight of the week, just being in the presence of such great, amazing people who really care about their community and who really care about society. All right, everyone, I'm here with my very special guest, Nurse T. Nurse T, say hello. Hi. (laughs) So I first wanted to say thank you for taking the time to be part of this show. Um, I know as a nurse, you are probably very, very exhausted, um, overworked with everything that's going on right now. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to just share some knowledge about what is going on during this Corona apocalypse, as I like to call it. Yes. Thank you for the platform also just to speak my truth. Yes. Thank you. So uh, Nurse T, just if you could just let us know, how long have you been a nurse? Uh, So I've been a nurse for seven years now. Oh, wow. I didn't even know it was that long. (laughs) (laughs) You're seasoned in the game. (laughs) (laughs) Too seasoned. And what and what um I guess drew you to nursing? Was it, you know, I know a lot of times children go into nursing because their parents want them to do it, but what was your motivation to becoming a nurse? Um I guess for me, I had some experience in the business world um from like high school and um freshman year in college and I just didn't like the atmosphere. And I thought nursing would just be a great way for me to be involved in service um, as a profession. And I had also, I have family members who are already in the field. So it was kind of, you know, that was the next option or the next thought career-wise that, you know, I could do. And I started doing it and I was actually doing really well. So that built up my confidence. And I was like, you know what, I can do this. You know, this is something that... I can flourish in. Okay, great. So for the longest time, I mean, I've, I grew up in a family where, you know, 
pretty much almost everyone's in the medical field. You know, my mom's a nurse. I have a lot of um, family members um, that are nurses. So I'm, I'm, you know, I grew up going to, going to the to work with my mom. So I'm very familiar with like the hospital settings and what tends to happen. Um, and I've asked a couple of nurses mm-hmm. this question before, but in your entire nursing experience. Um, have you ever experienced anything like what's going on right now with this coronavirus? No, no one has ever experienced anything like this before. Even I've spoken to nurses who have 30 years over me. And this is a first of, you know, of its kind. I mean, we have every year we'll have like a flu little flu um, epidemic that with a lot of cases. But, you know, flu and COVID are so different even when ebola was around and they had the sars outbreak that still wasn't really as big as it is for as covid is right now in new in new york in the u.s those were kind of isolated um cases so you know this is something i never thought i would see in my lifetime Mm -hmm. um this is like some Florence Nightingale <laughs> apocalypse event. Like, yeah, this is you know, unprecedented for nursing, I think. Yeah. In, in my seven years, in the last 30 years from nurses I've spoken to. Yeah. I know in the beginning, I heard a lot of people liken the coronavirus to the flu, to, you know, again, the SARS outbreak, the Ebola. But as the days are going, you know, by, I think it's very clear to everyone that this is nothing like the flu, nothing like the SARS outbreak, nothing like Ebola. Um, and it's definitely something that's, in a sense, starting to cripple the healthcare system. Uh, I think the healthcare system is already crippled mm. um, just from just being in it every day. I think if nothing if nothing positive comes out, then that would be a changes in American healthcare. That mm. would be a shame. Mm. I think this should this should be what drives change in hospitals. What drives change in people who have access to care, the disparities in our community. Um, Hispanics and Blacks are being the most infected based on statistics I saw by um, de Blasio. Mm-hmm. So I I think that there's a lot of conversations that have to be had, you know, when this is over and a lot of changes that should be made in the system and when this is all over. I definitely agree with you there. I know that I've heard many say that, you know, there were, like you said, already issues with the healthcare system. There were already weaknesses, but that this coronavirus pandemic has definitely exposed, you know, all of the weaknesses, if not, you know, weaknesses that we probably didn't even know existed. It definitely cast a serious spotlight on the American healthcare system. And and I agree with what you said, like if, if nothing changed, if we don't change the healthcare system after this, or at least go back to the drawing board and reevaluate, then I think we definitely are doomed. Yeah, people will continue to die if something like this happens and there is no, there's, there's not proper policies, proper guidelines in place. You know, if this happens again, it will, it will be much worse, I think, if we're not prepared. Mm-hmm. So now as a nurse that's on the front line, because that's, that's a phrase that we are seeing all over the place now, frontline workers, nurses on the front line. 
Um, because that's essentially what you guys are. You guys are, you know, the first responders, the individuals who are actually making contact with patients on a daily basis. So explain to me, I guess, as being, you know, a a person of color, a a young woman of color, a nurse who is, you know, in her career, you know, in, in the career that she's passionate about, you know, what are, what are the feelings that, and the thoughts that are going through your mind every day as you get ready for work, knowing firsthand how crazy this disease is and, you know, listening to the news and having to see all of these fatalities, you know, what's going through your mind when you have to, you know, leave your house get ready to go to work every day I think um, I know for me and a lot of people I spoken to every day you every day you go into work you feel like your life is on the line um, not only yourself but the, your family members if you live at home if you have children if you you know are not in an apartment by yourself but you cohabitate with other people you know you feel like not only are you risking your life but then you might bring home this um this virus to your family members mm-hmm. who didn't ask for this so you're you're not only worried about yourself you're worried about your family you're, you're anxious now about what you're walking into because every day it's something new the rules are constantly changing so you might come walk in and you might have a, a manageable you know patient load or you walk in and you're after you're done you're 14 hours you're like what the hell did I just live through or what the hell just happened like there is no real time to process the things that you're doing at work while you're doing it you're kind of just on a constant go you know you're not using the bathroom adequately enough because how are you you know you're in the mass for 12 hours so you're not really taking it off you're not taking it off you're in the mask you know, all day or night. So you might not be adequately hydrating yourself. You know, you're not taking a proper break, you know, because you're so busy because the the patient load might have went from one to one per the CDC guidelines. But as the as we continue to test, as more people continue to be admitted into the hospital, being advanced to ICU care where I where I currently work, your ratio went from a one to one or a one to two to now a one to four. Your beds are being filled constantly. So the workload is way, way more heavy than it's ever been. I've, you know, I've never seen, never worked like this before, you know, as a nurse, even on my worst night, I think the nights that I've been having have topped that and then some. So mentally you're anxious you're fearful you're worried and then you're so focused on your what you're doing that you don't always get to process what just happened to you and what you just experienced Mm -hmm. so it's it's it mentally it's exhausting you know it's, it's definitely exhausting okay now we've been seeing you know healthcare workers nurses and doctors all over the country dropping like flies and so you know with you working in a New York City hospital where you know we are the epicenter of this coronavirus situation um we're hearing the nurses doctors dropping like flies you know we're hearing that you know more and more nurses are are calling out sick because they're either testing positive or they're showing symptoms and a lot of people are saying that this is because of the lack of PPE which everybody knows what PPE is now personal protective equipment 
And that hospitals, you know, some hospitals are being forced to give nurses one mask for a day. And this is not even, you know, talking about the shield. So um, I guess with your experience being on the floor, have you had colleagues that have, you know, fell ill to the coronavirus who have tested positive? Um, and if so, like, how has the environment been with with now the fact that there are individuals who are healthcare providers falling ill to the disease? Um, I, I definitely have had colleagues tested um, positive for the virus. I've also had um, friends from other institutions tested positive for the virus. Um, it's not only nurses or doctors, it's the respiratory therapists. It's the person, you know, it's the person who comes and cleans the rooms. You know, healthcare, there's so many different roles and everyone is exposed. Is the person who transport patients from um, floor to floor. So, you know, everyone is exposed to this, especially because we were so late in our interventions and protecting staff. So people were exposed before we knew properly how to handle Corona, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Before we were being properly given a a N95 mask to to wear. So as far as, yes, I am seeing my colleagues test test positive. Morale goes down when you were working with someone uh, um, yesterday and you come back in and you hear they're, they're out you know you it makes you think and wonder am I next because they're doing the same thing I'm doing they're wearing the same mask the same gloves the same gown um, the same face shield and it's not enough you know I look at other other countries and their PPE is way more advanced than what I am receiving at work. Mm-hmm. And if I, my coworkers are being sick with what they're wearing, then yeah, I am fearful that I'm next. And I don't, you know, you, you see the reality of what Corona does to patients and you see what the end result is and you think about yourself and, you know, you don't want to be like your patient, right? That's your worst fear. Mm-hmm. So of course, it is. It is a worrisome. You're you come into work every day, and you're just praying to God that I make it out of this. Like I am doing my job. I'm doing my. You know what? I signed up for. Yes, I. I am a nurse. I'm happy to be a nurse. However, I want to be a nurse that's protected. I. You know, I didn't sign up not to have access to proper tools. Yeah. And I think that's just part of the bigger issue we want to do our jobs we're happy to help heal people make them better but we want to be protected properly and for a pandemic like this and a disease that's you know a virus that will will take you out it doesn't matter your age your race you know your wealth you know you can be 18 year old and have corona you don't know what your outcome is so proper equipment is how we you know protect ourselves and unfortunately the level of equipment that we're getting and the availability of equipment that's you know PPE that's there for us is limited and for some nurses they're using garbage bags and that's oh, wow. that's really sad when you're in the richest country mm-hmm. <laughs> supposed <laughs> to be one of the richest countries and this is what we're receiving and I see other countries who are not as advanced as us and their what their PPE is way better than mine. Yeah, so, they're in like full astronaut yes. gear. <laughs> Literally full astronaut yeah, gear. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to wear. I, I watch the news and the news reporter's PPE is better than mine. Mm. And I don't know how that makes sense. He how does that make sense? He's yeah. not actively involved in 
with treating patients. He's not exposed to corona. He's just speaking to someone in an isolated area who has a mask on, but he's in a full-on suit, full face um, shield, great N95, and I'm just in a gown. (laughs) So, yeah, there is some, and that's something I think has to be addressed, you know. You have to protect your workers because when all nurses, you know, can't do this anymore, who is going to take care of you? If we're not protected, who is taking care of you? And I think (laughs) that should meet, that should say something, so... And I'm glad that you, you, you know, harped on that. Like, you know, if, if the, all the nurses are, you know, sick, if they're being taken out by this, by this virus, who is going to assist? And I think over the course of the last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of posts go viral on social media with nurses who were just like, I quit. I quit. I showed up to work. They sent me to work on a COVID floor with no mask. And so I quit. And, you know, I've seen other posts where nurses themselves were in hospital beds, you know, because they contracted the virus and they were themselves saying that, you know, we don't get any PPE. We don't have anything to help us fight this. And now we're in the hospital beds um, and we're not getting treated, you know, fairly. People are afraid. People, you know, they have families and they don't want to contract this. So there's even within within that, like self-preservation, there's been a lot of there's been some mixed mixed um, reviews, mixed commentary on some of these viral posts with these nurses who have gone on and said, I quit because I'm not protected. So in terms of that, like as as a nurse who who either yourself or you've seen other nurses not receive enough protective gear to do their job, what is your take on, I guess, some of these nurses who have come online to talk about the, the conditions and why they mm-hmm. quit? I think until you've lived this, until you've walked in my shoe and don't do what I am doing, you don't have the right to criticize my position, you know, personal position, I think, as far as I, in, in the sense from coming from those nurses' perspective. You don't know, you know, what they were going through specifically. I think everyone has the right for, to self-preservation to whatever that means. Why should I put myself, my life at risk to do a job where I'm not being given the appropriate tools, mm-hmm. right? Why Why am I going to put myself in the position where I'm going to be the next patient in the, beside that one? I don't think there, I don't think anyone should disagree with that. I mean, would you go, you know, do your job not appropriately? If you were a police officer, are you going to go out and not have, you know, your gun to protect you, mm-hmm. you know, for something like that, you know, for just an example. Yeah. So I don't think anyone has the right to criticize those nurses. We don't know, you know, if you're, if you're immunocompromised and you're working as a nurse, you know, there, everyone has a different situation. I'm not going to do a job without the, without the right equipment. And if I work and I currently am at working on the floor where there's all COVID patients, and if I do not get a, a N95 mask, if I don't get a gown, if I don't get a, a face shield and gloves, I will not be walking into the room to take care of those patients. It makes no sense. Yeah, I'm putting my life at jeopardy. It makes no sense for me to do that. I'm not going to. How am I helping them? By the time I leave, they're going to have one nurse less the next day. Like, mm-hmm. And then all nurses going to be dropping light flies. So there will be no staff. So there has to be standards we have to uphold standards for ourselves 
personal and professional, I don't see how that should go out the window. I, you know, I don't understand the criticism there. If that person can afford and if it's if they're okay with not having a job, then that's fine. But I would do the same thing in a heartbeat. I would not, I would leave my job before I endanger myself and others. Because it's not just me, it's the others as well. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. don't, you know, I, I support those nurses with, in whatever decision that they decide is best for them and their family. And I totally agree with you there. I, I definitely saw, you know, some remarks, some ignorant remarks at that saying, you know, well, this is what you guys signed up for. So, you know, this is what, you know, this, this is part of the, of, of the game. But I do agree, especially I know with one of the posts that had gone viral, the nurse had indicated that she was immunocompromised and she had kids, you know, did not have support. So therefore, if she's sick, you know, who would be taking care of her, you know, her kids, like forget the fact that she's already immunocompromised. So I totally understood, you know, where she was coming from. And I agree with you, you know, it's so easy for us to sit back and and say, well, you know, that's your job anyways, and come up with all of these, um, these, you know, discussion topics and and criticize, Mm -hmm. but we're not the ones, I mean, some, most of us are not even leaving our homes to go to the grocery store. We have them being delivered. So we don't even know what the reality is. No one, unless you're living in this and, you know, every day and you're seeing the change from beginning of March to now, I mean, no one, you guys, you know, general population don't have a clue of what's going on in the hospitals, you know, no, and and then there are these cameras and these, you know, articles that are coming out that are great or, you know, they're showing us a glimpse of what's going on, but Mm -hmm those are also not always true reality, you know, at the end of the day. So no one yet, general population who are staying home, they don't have the right to criticize. They should be supporting us, supporting all healthcare workers at this time. Um, They should be doing their part in stopping the spread of COVID because, you know, the more we practice social distancing, it's been proven to, of course, you know, slow down the virus, stop, Mm -hmm. slow down the amount of people getting admitted in the hospital, which is beneficial for us because we do want to, to beat COVID-19. We, we don't want this pandemic to continue. This is exhausting. I don't want to be doing this for a a whole year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's already, I'm already a month. (laughs) Yeah. And hospitals can't sustain themselves. They can't sustain us. They can't sustain pay. We're running out of medications. We're running. We're out of room, you know. So yeah, the public has to do their part, and you know, when they don't, they don't understand. They don't know. So just do your part of what you can do and what you do know you can do. And healthcare professionals, we're doing our part. We're showing up every day. We're getting COVID nineteen, and we're going through our quarantine, and we're still coming back to work to help save your grandmother, your sister, mm-hmm. your father, whoever. So there's no need to be critical of us. This is time to support us because we need it. I totally agree with you there. Now, since the, you know, the governor of New York instituted the pause, which I think it's has it been about 
I don't know if it's been maybe a couple of weeks now since he, in, I think March 16th or whenever, that he instituted the pause, um, social distancing. Have you seen, you know, at your particular hospital or have you heard from others in their hospitals? Have you seen a decline of um, patients being admitted for COVID? Do you, do you think that it actually no. is working? Okay. Okay. I think it's too soon to tell um, about social distancing if it's working because um, I don't believe New York City has reached its peak yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure, but I don't really believe we've reached our peak yet. And, you know, what's great about what the governor had has been doing is just increasing the amount of testing to isolate those cases. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just really shed a light on how many people are infected and i think that that has been helping a lot you know with quarantine and so forth but i'm for me being at the front line i'm still getting caseloads of patients patients are still being admitted i know i have friends working in queens and their hospital system is um overwhelmed there so i i don't think we've really seen i think it's too early to tell if okay you know, the rate of admittance in in New York, if it, that's been declining. And I'm, I'm, I don't know what the latest statistics is with the amount of new cases, you know, that were have been reported. But mm-hmm. as far as being on the front lines, I there is no change. No decline from, as of yet. Yeah. Okay. Now, but just because I just want to say just because we don't see the results of social distancing, um, so up close and you know so like a drastic change in numbers Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that social distance is not working yeah um but because we our response to this virus was so late in the game i believe that's why you know and because we're rapidly testing that is why our numbers continue of course to increase but just because you don't see the results of social distance doesn't mean it's not working it just means that we are just in the early phases mm-hmm. or mid phases of you know all the protocols that have been in place so i think it's important that people continue to practice social distancing wearing a mask that's the new recommendation with cdc if you're going outside wear a mask mm-hmm. a cloth like mask so i think you know we should continue doing our part Absolutely. Okay. Now, the other thing that I wanted to kind of um, ask, I guess, with respect to some of the recommendations we've been hearing um, from healthcare providers, urgent cares, is that, you know, the, the, the initial feeling or desire to run to the emergency room if you are, you know, starting to feel some of these, I guess, milder um, COVID symptoms, the recommendation is to stay home, treat it with, you know, Tylenol, drink fluids, and only come to the emergency room if you start experiencing, you know, serious shortness of breath, etc. Is that um, mm-hmm. on par with what the messaging that, you know, is that you've at least heard with respect to, you know, um, individuals who are getting certain symptoms? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, I think those recommendations are still in. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I, I think hospitals were just getting bombarded in the ER with so many people um, coming in who whose symptoms weren't, you know, as extreme or who, mm-hmm. whose symptoms could be managed at home, I should say, mm-hmm. whose symptoms could be managed at home. So I think that's why those recommendations were made. Um, I'm, I think I don't really know 
how to properly say because I just feel like from what I've seen of course COVID presents with those you know typical symptoms that yes you can manage at home but when you do get to that point like they're saying when you are having the shortness of breath and you know you feel like you need to be admitted of course come to hospital but you know the disease the virus is not fully understand understanding and people when they do come to the hospital sometimes they're coming in kind of too late Mm. but like I said um like I said I don't really you know I don't really I don't really feel like I, I can really comment on that because yes I do agree with the recommendations but you as a person know yourself yeah. and if you know if you feel like you cannot manage your symptoms at home then of course seek medical attention and there's also the other part of it where people are really afraid and they get that you know, one or one fever, and of course they panic and they go to the hospital, and they might have gone to the hospital too early, and they get sent home, and now when they're really probably experiencing like full-on, you know, sim- you know, symptomatic events, then they're like they were told they should stay home, so then they don't come in, and then something happens. So you just have to know yourself, and yes, if your symptoms are manageable, stay home because that is the recommendation. And if you are having the, the symptoms of shortness of breath, then of course, you know, seek medical attention. Absolutely. <laughs> if you are coming into any public areas, and you do know that you're symptomatic for, you know, COVID, you just haven't had a proper, um, you know, like a, a test yet. At least wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You know. We're covered, you know, think about the fact that if you're coming in to an urgent care and, you know, do your part not to infect people, mm-hmm. you know, if you're coughing, you, you know, you just think about those things too. Like you you do want to seek medical attention, but you don't want to infect people. So wear a mask, do your part as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think I, I wouldn't have said it better than that. You know, know, know yourself, like you said, understand your body. Although there are these recommendations that are encouraging people to stay home, you know, if they're if their symptoms are manageable, but like you said, if you get to a point where you where you feel like they're not manageable, not to wait. Because I've been seeing a lot of recent reports of people going into the ER when it was too late. And, you know, unfortunately you know, expiring. So I feel like Mm -hmm. knowing yourself and really being in tune and advocating for yourself, especially during a time like this, where it might be so easy for a healthcare provider or urgent care to say, no, just stay home. It's not serious enough. But if you, if you are in tune with your body and in tune with yourself, being your at, you know, your own advocate, I think it's very important around this time too. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, um, a coworker who tested positive and couldn't really couldn't even get a test and couldn't even get a chest X-ray mm-hmm. and they really had to you know seek and go above and beyond to make sure that they got tested and get a chest X-ray. So you do have to do your part and just be vigilant in your own care and advocate for yourself because the system is you know strained and there are not enough providers, there are not enough workers, and you know they're not there might not be a uh, x-ray tech available to take your x-ray but that doesn't mean you should you know mm-hmm. give up I guess you should you know seek out other ways to get treatment I had another co-worker I had a friend who you know tested positive was wasn't being admitted to a to their local hospital and had to seek 
care somewhere else at another hospital and luckily enough she was able to get care because she had pneumonia and if she had just mm. gone home and tried to medicate herself and do it on herself she could have died of pneumonia so yeah. you you do like you know like we've been saying you have to know your body and just do your part as much as you can as well as you know it is frustrating to be a patient especially during a time like this when the system is strained and there's just not proper availability of staff of you know medications or just you know just attention that you feel that you need because you're so sick and you know you can't breathe and there's like might not be someone there with you right then and then so yeah you just it's it's very frustrating but you just have to do your part no i totally understand and so during this time obviously of crisis and a shortage of nurses there there is a heightened need for nurses and so we're seeing all of these efforts to recruit nurses from not just all over the country, but all over the world, medical professionals from all over the world. And as of lately, I've, I've actually seen some ads for, you know, nurses and where the, I guess, New York is seeking um, nurse professionals. Um, they're trying to get people out of retirement. I know my mom, they tried to get her out of retirement. My mom is like an elderly person. She's just like, are you kidding me? But mm-hmm. I've seen ads offering upwards to $10,000 a week, travel expenses paid, amenities paid, everything paid just to come and and help with this fight against uh, COVID-19. I guess my question, though, is I understand this large amount of money that's being offered to, you know, outside nurses. But has there been any offer of either bonuses or increased pay, hazard pay for the nurses who are currently working in the New York City systems? Um, so I'm in, I work um, where I work, we have a union and we, mm-hmm. our union has been advocating for us to get some type of uh, hazard pay mm-hmm. uh, because, of course, we're seeing other nurses from agency do the same thing we do under mm-hmm. the same circumstances with the same amount of supplies and they're making you know more money than us and it's i think it's just part of it's just become a principle now it's the fact that if i am putting my life on the line you know i should be compensated appropriately mm-hmm. um and I think it's not so much that we're being money hungry. I think we just feel it should be a, a principal thing. It should just be a standard thing that, yes, the, the conditions are horrific. So we should be compensated for, you know, the conditions that we're working in. Working in. And um, my union is currently, you know, trying to get get us um, hazard pay. Um, so I think that just hasn't been, uh, I think they're still in talks about that. Mm-hmm. But I do know... Uh, Mount Sinai Hospital did reach an agreement with, you know, their union. Um, I know, but I do know other hospitals aren't doing any type of hazardous pay. Um, And so I think the fact that I'm in a union has been, you know, helpful towards that. But I do believe that nurses, doctors, um, respiratory therapists, you know, everyone on the front line needs to be compensated. Delivery workers, you know, every single essential worker right now should be compensated for the risks that we're, you know, that we're seeing and Mm -hmm. the danger that we're in with with the job that we're doing. Um, I think we deserve that. And then some. So, yeah. Yeah. As far as the as far as the gap, I think the gap is it just shows that we 
it just shows that, especially offering 10K for these nurses to come in, it just shows that we are valuable Mm -hmm. and that should show our institution and let our institutions know that we should be compensated because if a private company or an agency is willing to pay, and which means that you're willing to pay that much money because you're working through the agency, these Mm -hmm. institutions, that means you should give your you know, floor nurse, you're your regular employees the right pay because you're already willing to pay that that amount. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it shouldn't it should be a no brainer in my yeah in my opinion. I definitely agree with you because I remember when I saw the first time I saw that post, I was like, what a time to be a nurse. Like ten thousand dollars a week and you're getting everything paid for, which means you're essentially pocketing it. And I kind of felt bad for some of my nurses who I know for a fact aren't getting any type of hazard pay or increase and they're literally risking their lives every day as well. Like you said, doing the same kind of work. And the hazard pay that we will get compared to what those nurses are getting will not be anywhere close, you know, not even a fraction of, you know, what, what we will make compared to them. They'll still be in a better position Mm -hmm. with, as far as, you know, the amount that they're making. And, to speak on nurses who, you know, were asked to come to the front line, I completely understand, you know, if you haven't practiced in 10 years or however many years and, you know, to be thrown in in this environment, I can understand why, you know, it's not appealing. It's not about the money, yeah. you know, everyone's life, life is priceless. And that's what this feels like. This is not a situation where, you know, and I'm speaking for myself, for some people, the money might be attractive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, but coming from what I've experienced and from my perspective, you know, I feel my life is priceless. So I would not be interested in a 10k yeah. Payout. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I can go with the other option, which is to not, you know, have to face this or Mm -hmm. so it's not you know the money is doesn't really heal the wound I guess it doesn't make that doesn't make anything look any prettier in my perspective it doesn't make this experience you know it's just a compensation I guess I don't know yeah Um, no I totally understand I mean if you can you imagine like I said my I mean my mom's been a nurse for a while but you know she had switched from hospital nursing to kind of like patient care you know at home patient care Mm-hmm. over the course of the last several years. I don't remember the last time my mother worked on a floor. So for her now right. to be an elderly person being asked to come in and, you know, deal with machines and, and all this stuff that she hasn't been used to for years, you right. know, in a sense is it's a bit much to, you know, to make that request. Now, if you are comfortable with it, that's on you. But I also don't think that we should look down on nurses or medical professionals who say, you know what, I got to sit this one out. Right, exactly. And, you know, there is like what training are we giving these people and Mm -hmm. who has time for training (laughs) i think you're you're just being you're just kind of being thrown in you're not you know there's no real training you're just being thrown in told to like figure it out so i mean that you're jeopardizing you know yourself because you can hurt yourself by not doing what you're properly doing and then you can hurt a patient by not knowing what you're properly doing so i mean i am i am grateful for the nurses who are coming forward and coming from other states, um, nurses who are, you know, answering the call to help, all healthcare professionals, I should say, who are answering the call to help, all the doctors, all the therapists, we are so thankful for them. And because it is a big sacrifice and, you know, it is appreciated and it's, it's making a difference. It's adding, you know, 
staff is helping with quality of care. So, you know, we are appreciative. But if you decide to sit this one out, it's you sh- no one should be judged for that. Yeah, I totally agree. Oh, man. So this was definitely, I think, a very insightful conversation with somebody who's actually on the front lines. You know, it's so easy to kind of feel like you know what's going on by watching social media and reading the news. But, you know, it's really helpful to actually sit down with somebody who's fighting this thing each and every day in a place like New York City, you know, especially, which is the epicenter of this virus. Um, it definitely gives us some perspective as to the the work that you guys are doing in, in fear, really, right? You guys are anxiously right. doing this job. It's not like you're kind right. of like excited. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> you, you, you try to come in and have some positivity. You try to kind of create, a, you know, a decent mood. You don't mm-hmm. want to always be, you know, so strong up. You try to keep yourself calm. And you you support your coworkers who might you know you know there's a lot of teamwork happening right now because you, we can't do this alone so yeah. we're relying on each other and you know there's been a lot of support from the public and you know we say keep that coming because we need it mm-hmm. from people who you know choose to donate whether food or supplies and or prayers and you know the clap it's what whatever <laughs> you've chosen to do it's appreciated and it's well received. And we are so grateful. So yeah, it, it's these are trying times, and it, you, you know we're all humans. Yeah. We're nurses. They're calling us heroes, but you know heroes are people, and heroes go through things. And this is a mental game, and you know we're trying to keep ourselves afloat. Definitely. Well, I know I definitely appreciate all that you guys do, and it's not because you know I come from a long line of medical professionals, but it's because right now to have to be like I mean again most of us are not even leaving the four quarters of our home like to even throw out the trash like we're just afraid to even breathe the air so the fact that you know you are making the conscious decision to go into work every day and to save lives of you know my you know my relatives saving the lives of my friends saving the lives of just people that you don't even know um I think it's very it's it's you know it's commendable and I always say like it's the work of saints (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for <laughs> your kind words. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad that the public is appreciating us and realizing at the end of the day who holds up this country. It's not you know, it's the people who you would never who would never would have thought, you know, yeah. is keeping us afloat right now. So, yeah, shout out to all the essential workers right now doing definitely. the damn thing. We appreciate you. We thank you. <laughs> So what are some last words would you have for the people who are listening in um, to this show who, you know, we, they, they've listened in, they've heard everything that we've had to say so far. What are some parting words that you would have for them? Um, I just want to say continue social distancing. I know the weather has been getting better, but doesn't mean that you need to be outside with all three of your friends, you know. <laughs> in a group this is not the time to be idle it's time to care not only about you know yourself but also your family we're all living on top of each other in new york and you know you as an 18 year old 16 year old 13 year old if you contract the virus you can give it to your parents and you know i'm seeing 30 year olds die i'm seeing 58 year olds die with three children so you know this thing is killing us and we all have to do our part to stop the transfer of this virus and that means staying home and 
you know, being aware of your distance to, with others and practicing proper hand hygiene, mm-hmm. you know, staying clean. This, this, these simple steps weren't uh, a mask if you have one, you know, or making one. There are YouTube tutorials. So these simple things have, haven't changed. The recommendations haven't changed and just follow them. Simple. Protect yourself and protect your, protect your family because no one wants to be in the position where, and I've experienced this where I'm speaking to a young 20-year-old looking through the window to see their, you know, their parent in the bed who has coded four times. So, and they're begging me, you know, what can, what else can they do? You know, they're offering money and there's nothing else. There's nothing else that could have been done, you know, when you've exhausted all efforts, you know, Mm -hmm. so just know that this thing is real. It's killing people and it's killing young people. So, you know, just, do your part and of course use this time to you know find a new hobby you know you don't need to be bored just just find something to do that you don't have to watch netflix but take care of yourself you know use this time to be you know work out whatever it is but practice you know what everyone's been preaching to slow this virus and to end this pandemic yeah, I mean, there's. I have nothing more to add to that. I think you just said everything. You know, stay your asses at home. <laughs> yeah, stay this, home. I can't stay home. I want to stay home, but I can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, stay home. Stay home for the nurses who can't stay home. You know, let's. You know, each one, each yeah. one, teach one, each one, help one. You know, each other out. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Nurse T. Well, thank you again so much for making the time. Again, I know you are a nurse. You are you know, exhausted from everything, but you still took the time Mm -hmm. to, you know, to be on the show and to share your personal experiences and to shed some light as to what's the realities that are, you know, that our nurses and other healthcare professionals are facing day in and day out. So, you know, definitely appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you, Rita. You're welcome. You're welcome. And with that being (laughs) said, everyone, it's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Frida's World. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Frida's World, F-R-E-E-D-A-S underscore world. Or you can, you know, uh, send us an email at Rita at Frida's World dot com. Make sure you subscribe to the show. We're available on pretty much any, any platform, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And I will talk to you guys next week. It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.